Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and it's great to have your company for yet another week of reflecting on the Camino de Santiago. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. This is a weekly discussion about El Camino, a series of pilgrimages to the crypt containing the remains of Christ's apostle James in the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela. We're fast approaching 300 episodes, and it's been a wonderful journey and will continue to be a wonderful journey. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank my wonderful Patreon sponsors. I've put a link in the show notes if you'd like to sponsor me to help keep the show on the road. And I'm doing a special online concert for my patrons this Sunday morning. That's May the 22nd, Sydney time. So that's Saturday evening in the United States and in Canada, a little later in the night in the UK and Europe and Ireland. Special thanks to Fiona and Barb, who joined me as patrons this week. I really appreciate it. The Camino provides a unique perspective, an opportunity to reflect and to grow. We all face so many challenges, and I see the struggles of some and wonder how on earth they keep going each day. A friend of mine from high school broke his neck playing rugby. He's been a paraplegic ever since, confined to a wheelchair his whole life. He never complains. He's actually been confined to a hospital bed for the last two years due to COVID. Never complains. He he accepts his lot in life and he soldiers on. And we can learn so much from people who conduct themselves with such grace and humility. We are lucky enough to walk pilgrimage or to prepare to walk pilgrimage, to gather with other pilgrims to enjoy and share the joy of the journey. I received emails this week from pilgrims asking about the hymn that closed last week's podcast. It's called Come to the Water, written by an Australian priest, Father Frank Anderson. Come to the water, you who are thirsty, though you have nothing, I bid you come and be filled with the goodness I have to offer. Come, listen, live. Sharing our stories and lessons is one of my great motivators for doing the podcast each week. And from time to time, after listening to this week's episode, my podcast player will randomly select an episode from the back catalogue. I'm always amazed at my guests' honesty. I'm amazed by their ability to share their innermost thoughts and often frailties, and how the Camino helps cradle their coming to terms with those frailties or fears or triumphs. It truly is a blessing an opportunity to go in search of what you feel you need to find. Well, my quote this week comes from an upcoming book written by this week's guest, and he quotes in the book Baba Ram Das, an American guru, who said, We are all just walking each other home. Shane Oldfield sent me his book this week to have a pre-read. He's hoping to put it out sooner rather than later. And I enjoyed his writing so much, I invited Shane to join me on the podcast to talk us through it. It's called Stumbling Across Spain, An Interior Journey of the Heart, and he hopes to publish it soon. It's a powerfully written account of Shane's Caminos and what he learned and lived along the way. He's on the line. Welcome, Pilgrim. Hey, Dan. It's lovely to hear your voice. You walk the Caminos alongside your Spanish-born wife, Zabair. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Okay. Well, um, this coming month we turn 70. Um, We've uh, last year celebrated our 52nd wedding anniversary. Over numerous years we've been um, walking the Camino. Um, It took us six years because much like a lot of Spaniards, we walk the Camino in stages. You know, a lot of Spanish don't have um, long enough holiday period. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, and even I suppose finance. So um, they very regularly walk the Camino in stages, as most pilgrims are aware. Um, so we chose to do that ourselves, and and so we've walked the Camino over many years. Uh, having said that, we're about to go back um, next month and do a half Camino. We'll walk um, from Pamplona to Lyon. Oh. So we're looking very much looking forward to doing that. Yeah, that's a beautiful yeah. stretch. That's fantastic. Oh, how lovely. You say in the beginning of the book, you, you love writing and sincerely believe that this discipline has singularly helped me process the joy of the inner journey of pilgrimage. Take us through that thinking, that journey. Okay, I, I guess I wanted to sort of scribble down some of my thoughts as we, as we walked um, because it did help me to process um, the sort of things that were happening uh, in my life. Um, having sort of walked the Camino over that sort of period of about six years, it was obviously a, a, a transition time where lots of things uh, needed processing. And, uh, and as you know, you know, pilgrimage uh, gives you the space uh, and the time um, for that sort of self-reflection. So um, it's a great exercise. I'd recommend it to anybody. Um, uh, we're all pilgrims, really, but but to, to to intentionally embark on some form of pilgrimage is a, is a really worthwhile spiritual discipline yeah. for just about anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, many of the sort of world's religions they all have their own forms of um, of this spiritual practice, um, and and maybe it's something that many people would benefit from, but they they just haven't really thought about it. You know. Yeah. You say you hope the book will shed a pale light. Some reader might see the path a little more plainly and endeavour to walk it well. What does a Camino walked well look like? I think, you know, Rumi said there are a hundred ways to kneel and kiss the ground. People's Caminos are different, aren't they? They're They're all different, you know. Some people walk, some people ride a bike, some people do it in stages, some people do the whole thing in one leap. Some people walk it slow, some people walk it fast. Some people, you know, sleep in tents, others sleep in paradors. It's like everyone's Camino is a little different. I think that the main thing about pilgrimage for me is that it's done with intention. And and I think that's what we sort of um, set out to do, that we would embark on pilgrimage with intention. So rather than the form or how long you take, I think that's, for me, that's the, the, the key issue, Dan, that we seek to undertake pilgrimage with intention, being aware and, and being open so that, you know, we're, um, we're just challenged internally, you know, um, yeah, and like we that. allow it to be, we, we just allow it to be, um, you know, a spiritual discipline. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I often ask my guests to describe the Camino or to explain how they describe the Camino, but you put it very well. You say a somewhat sublime, magical meeting of people and place. I really like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, it is. Well, anyone who's walked any part of the Camino knows that. That's that's so true. You, you meet all sorts of of people, um, and you just need to be open to those opportunities. And um, you, you have remarkable um, 
connections with people uh, in, in a very sort of um, intense, short period of time, you know. Yeah. Um, on, on the Camino, it's, it, it's common, isn't it, for people to say, you know, why are you doing the Camino? Um, what brought you here? You know, questions that people would, would not normally, sort of personal questions, ones that people would not normally go to necessarily uh, <laughs> straight away. But, but on the Camino, it's kind of that's very accepted, you know. Yeah. And so people open up and all sorts of things spill out, you know. Um, so it's a wonderful opportunity to connect with people. Yeah. And it's full of, full of little, as you know, serendipitous moments. Yeah, yeah. You talk about, in your writing, you say, um, the Camino provides the opportunity, quote, to open into the larger container of a more mindful state of being. I really like that too. You have read, you, you, you have read what I've written, haven't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, don't worry. I do my research. What do you hope? What do you and Zabia hope to find in that container as you rustle about on the Camino? Yeah, it's a great question, hey? It's a great question. I'm just, I guess I'm, I'm hoping to just position myself. That's what walking the Camino is about. I intend to sort of thereby undertake this spiritual discipline to position myself mm. for personal change, for, for awareness. The, um, the, the Celtic writer John O'Donoghue wrote that every life is braided with luminous moments. You know, our, our lives are surrounded by these opportunities and we just need to, we can't make them happen, but we, all we can do is position ourselves mm. to be able to receive them, to be aware of them. Um, it's something I learnt from reading um, the wisdom of, of, of Thomas Merton, um, who, you know, who, who helped bring a lot of um, things together from my spiritual walk into sort of some sort of perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, our lives are just uh, full of the ordinary, you know, not the spectacular, um, not the supernatural, just the ordinary. And, and it's that engagement with ordinary life that really is what the spiritual walk is all about, you know. Um, Fabulous. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's, that's really something. You know, you do uh, write a, and, and, and talk about Merton and it's a fascinating uh, section of the book actually. But when you also, there are sort of quotes all the way through it, which is a really lovely journey. And you mentioned the Rumi quote earlier, there are a hundred ways to kneel and kiss the ground. You say, it somehow seems to me that the intention to giving yourself over to actual engagement with pilgrimage is the substantive issue rather than what you wear or where you sleep or how long you take. I think yeah. that's right. And it's interesting that you say that. That's very fascinating for me, Shane, where you say, I just hope I can position myself. And I suppose the suggestion is that it dawned on you and Zabir the first time you went there. You walked a short Camino to begin with, starting in Pamplona. I think you walked through to Astorga or somewhere like that. Yeah. So, uh, no, no. We only went from Pamplona to Logroño. It was only four days. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. But what was it then about that journey, the first one, that really in inspired you to, do, to, to commit to the Camino and, and to continually position yourself to get the most out of it? We were aware of the Camino. Well, I, I say we, using the royal plural. It was really, Zabair was more aware of the Camino because she had aunties who had 
earlier in their lives walked um, some stages. And so she had this general awareness about the Camino. Um, and then, like many people, we later, many years later, saw the movie The Way and thought, yeah, you know what? We, we could probably do that. And so we thought, we're not going to you know, bite off too much. We'll just go and do this one stage. And I did a bit of reading and people recommended that that um, section between uh, Pamplona and Logroño was a beautiful one. However, having said that, uh, all of the Camino is beautiful in its own way. It's, it, it's, it's like comparing apples and oranges. There's so much diversity, so much beauty. Um, but, yes, yeah, so we... We sort of uh, decided we'd go and give it a crack, and and we bit off this little section. <clears throat> we didn't dare start at St. John and tackle the Pyrenees in our first year. We thought, no, we'll just go and see how we go. Um, so we were pretty tenuous, but we did have that uh, that sense of intention about what we were doing. Anyway, it was only four days, and it was like it was over in the blink of an eye. And we just realised we could do it. And so we um, each year would go back and do another stage. After the second year of going and doing one stage, we looked at each other and said, we, we want to walk longer. And so we, we started to do that. Yeah. And we walk a couple of stages a year. Um, and uh, <clears throat> and hence this time we're going back and we'll do four, four stages. We'll do half a Camino. Yeah. And you found yourself enganchado. Hooked. It's a beautiful word, isn't it? It's the Spanish word for hooked. Yes, we were hooked. After the first four days, we found ourselves uh, in Conchado with, with the Camino. We, we were hooked. Um, and we were eager to go come back the following year. Yeah. Uh, and, and we've been like that every year. And so we, we've come, we've realised we've become Camino files, you know, we we probably bore people speaking about the Camino and its significance in our lives. Um, but, yeah, it's just a, it's just a, great, a great thing to do to, to just sort of take pause and step away from the busyness of life. Yeah. Um, I always say, you know, it's like it's an opportunity for not irresponsibility but an opportunity for without responsibility, you know, um, our, our lives are, are so full of all the, the obligations and things we have to do. But when you go and walk Camino, it's like it, all of that just goes in the back. Burner. Everything goes on hold. And you've just got this simple schedule for the day and you walk. Um, it's beautiful. It's yeah, beautiful. It sure is. So is that word, enganchado, hooked. <laughs> I love it. Enganchado, enganchado. See, you were in Pamplona. Spanish is a beautiful language. Spanish is a beautiful oh, yeah. language. It's oh. such a rich language. Yeah, yeah, it um, is. That's for I've sure. been I've been wrestling to learn Spanish probably over the last ten years or so, uh, and I'm a very slow learner. But uh, it, it's a beautiful language, and and it's been a wonderful experience. Um, you know, in, in in this later stage of life, to learn a second language, it's a great mental exercise. Um, and, and it makes you realise you learn so many lessons in life from just learning another language. Like the, the way we express ourselves, the way we say things, the way we do things is not the only way it can be done. Um, yeah, so there's that little patch in the book about Yoda speak because, you know, yeah. um, 
learning Spanish is not about just learning a list of um, vocabulary words and um, and wrestling with accent. It's it's all about syntax and the way you construct sentences and express yourself. You know. Yeah, yeah. And all the lovely expressions in Spanish. You know, in English we say uh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, in Spanish it's you can't teach an old donkey to trot. <laughs> in in English we say it's a small world. Yeah. In Spanish they say todo el mundo es un panuelo. All the world is just a handkerchief. Yeah, I so love that line. These That's beautiful, rich expressions. Yeah. 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 Lots yeah. of beautifully rich expressions in Spanish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In Pamplona, uh, you're preparing to walk on that first uh, Camino, the four days as it is, and you write, by accident, we happen upon part of the ancient city walls that date back to medieval times. They stand as they did so many hundreds of years ago, but today they're ancient, sturdy stone arches support a superstructure of newer buildings. It's a patchwork of ancient masonry transitioning into brick, and it reminds us of how often we build and rely upon the past. I wrote in, in, with my highlighter there, the same could be said of you and me. Yes. And the Camino is a very good way to do that, isn't it? It is. It is. When you walk the Camino, you know you're building on the past. You know that you're walking... You know, this ancient past, you're aware of that. You're aware of that, 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 that sense of energy that's there that, that probably even predates, you know, um, Christian pilgrimage. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a remarkable thing. It's a remarkable thing. And leaving Pamplona the next day, you begin your learning journey almost immediately because you say, we soon found the path that's marked by Saint-Jacques cockles, which are easily followed, but you're misled because you expect the round top of the shell to point to the distant destination. But no, it's the flat base. And you're thinking, that's not right. Someone's put this down the wrong <laughs> one. Someone's put it the wrong way, right? But the next is the yeah. same and the next one's the same. And your friend suggests in a moment of revelation that the lines on the shell converge to a point. Ah, you say, the many paths of pilgrims converging to Santiago. I must once again change my paradigms and later we'll find these symbols variously placed, put together with yellow arrows. Nonetheless, they will lead us successfully all the way across Spain. So here you are, stepping out onto this new adventure, really, at that stage, and you're already having to change your long-entrenched, as you say, dualistic thinking. How yes. has that journey been now when you've walked many Caminos and here you are putting thoughts on the page? Have you learned just so much? Have you, has your thinking changed so much? Yeah, I think it has. I think it, I think it definitely has. I don't know if you're aware of the writings of Father Richard Rohr, um, his Franciscan, uh, and he uh, wrote a beautiful book um, called Falling Upward. It's a spirituality for the second half of life. And I figure with my 70th birthday being next week, I'm definitely in the second half of life. And the second half of life, Dan, I really do think um, is a challenging time about changing a lot of the paradigms that you've held in your life. Um, it certainly has been that way for me. And Walking the Camino has, I guess, facilitated a lot of that change. Um, hmm. our, our past journey was uh, was one of um, pretty much uh, traditional Christianity, um, 
And, uh, you know, after 30 years I taught in Christian schools. For a five-year period I was a pastor in a church of Christ. Um, and, 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 um, and even now, you know, our, our, our leaning would be towards um, that tradition. However, we have been opened up through, um, well, for lots of, um, how long is this podcast? <laughs> for, for, <laughs> through lots of sort of opportunity experience in our life to just um, uh, other things, you know, um, through reading and, uh, and and all sorts of things. So though we would lean heavily on that sort of um, tradition of our, of our past, but Certainly there have been a lot of new things built on top, just an openness to uh, um, to, uh, to other forms of spirituality, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. Re- realising that, you know, at their heart they're not much different. When, you know, in, in the first half of my life I, I thought, you know, it was about exclusion and I thought it was about that we had the truth and I see now that that's not really the truth, the, the way it is, you know, like, uh, the, the, the German Dominican Meister Eckhart, who lived in the you know twelve hundreds, yeah. he said, "Theologians may quarrel, but the mystics of the world speak the same language." You know, um, yeah. the Buddhist teacher, the Buddhist teacher Thich Nhat Hanh said, "We must awaken from the dream that we are different." Yeah, um, the, the, the the Muslim mystic um, Hafiz. Uh, who wrote in the 1300s, said, I wish I could show you the astonishing light of your own being. I think the Camino has opened us up to, to these sort of things. Wow. You know? Wow. Um, that, that, that so much, I was thinking about this the other night, you know, so much of these different um, forms of spirituality, it, it, it's like um, the Venn diagrams that we learnt in maths at school, and where they overlap, there's a real commonality. Now, there's a whole lot that doesn't overlap, and you can probably forget about a lot of that stuff. But where they overlap, um, there's a real um, preciousness, I think. Um, I thought from my, you know, first half of life Christian experience that we had somehow this exclusive monopoly on the wonderful idea of God's grace. But I was ashamed to realise in the last couple of years that certain Buddhists uh, and, and particularly certain Hindus believe in the same concept of grace. I was shocked. I was flabbergasted. Wow. Uh, and I was somewhat ashamed because it... it it underlined all, all the prejudice I'd held for so many years. I think that's what the second half of life is about, changing your paradigms, opening up, um, just becoming more aware. Wow. You know. Good for it's you. It's that awareness. That the, wow, Shane, uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. You've done a lot yeah. of thinking, man. Yeah, well, well a lot of thinking, a lot of reading. I was a librarian for a long time. <laughs> uh, I'm part of a book club. I, I meet in a book club once a month with right. um, 12 other blokes and we, we read a book and, um, 
and we, we drink some red wine and we remake the world. So I'm always <laughs> reading um, and um, there, there, there's so much to uh, mm. to read. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful, one of the wonderful things about retirement. You've got time for these things, reading, listening to podcasts. Yeah. It's great. You write, I love this passage, you write about um, one day on the Camino, you say, two butterflies boil midair in a tumbling dance. And I'm reminded once again of Thomas Merton's words to, quote, forget yourself on purpose, cast your awful solemnity to the winds and join in the general dance. That's yeah, it's a beautiful, hey? it's a beautiful quote. I, I wish I could write like Thomas Merton. <laughs> Thomas Merton was a wonderful, was a wonderful guy. He, 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 it was in reading some of his things that that opened me up to the potential of seeing truth uh, in other sources. You know, two and two is four, whether you are a Christian, a Buddhist, a Hindu, or a Jew. Mm. And uh, and Thomas Merton, that little passage comes from the end of his book, New Seeds of Contemplation. I think it's the last couple of paragraphs. And if you don't read the whole book, Dan. You should read the last couple of para- paragraphs. It's it's um it's remarkable stuff. It's all about um, when we talked before about positioning yourself, positioning yourself so that you can receive moments of contemplative spiritual awakening. You know, our lives are braided with with, with these moments. Everybody's life is, but they're all hidden away in the ordinariness of things, and. And so we can miss them, but but if you if you just sort of have your antenna up, um, you, you, you'll find them all the time. And, and yeah, it, it, it's it's remarkable. But anyway, uh, it's a, it's a great quote. Yeah, you certainly have your antenna up on the Camino, and I'm fascinated by. Uh, the process, if you like, Shane. So you write at one stage, and this is not far out of Pamplona, actually, I think, seeds in their fluffy white parachutes are dispersing on the fresh breeze. Our way is accompanied by the twittering of unfamiliar birds and wind, like the sound of running water rustles the line of nearby trees. It's wind in the willows. And uh, later you write, the road down from this village is the original old Roman road, Souls, S-O-U-L-S, and Souls, S-O-L-E-S, on these same rounded stones for 2,000 years. Do you write in your head and commit to page later or do you write later recalling things you've seen or, or are you, or are you uh, talking into a voice recorder or, or how are you capturing these little moments to, to, to later put them on the page? I intentionally don't want to be too busy because I want to be... On Camino, yeah, right. I want to be in pilgrimage. But what I do do is, I'll have my phone just open to notes, and I might scribble down one or two words. So I might have in that sense, in that section there, just written white butterflies. Maybe one or two more words. Later in the day, I'll sit down and I'll I'll use those few words just as springboards because it just brings it back into my mind. Um, so, yeah, that's how I do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it is about just, you know, 
having your eyes open, being aware, looking looking around. Mm. There's a remarkable bit in the Gospels, isn't there, that Jesus says, consider the lilies of the field. And after that he brings out all this teaching about God's um, providence and, and, and provision. But he gets all that from just seeing a couple of wild lilies growing. And it's like that's what we're meant to do. We're just meant to be open and aware and, and, and ready to receive these luminous moments that are all about us. Um, come to attention, as, as Siddhartha, the Buddha, would say. You know, Jesus would say, wake up. Um, it's, it's what we're meant to do to live our lives with intention. But, yeah, that's how I do it. I just scribble down a few notes as we go and then at the end of the day, probably sitting around... Um, either in a little two-star hotel room or down in a plaza um, over a glass of wine, and I'll write. And um, it's, it's just a fun thing to do and helps me process uh, all that I've been experiencing. You say in one part of the book that you're walking down a city street and elderly people pass by you and you realise then and there that you too are not getting any younger. And you talk about Jack Beetson, Arthur Beetson's nephew. To those listening who don't know who Arthur Beetson is, he was an Indigenous rugby league player. Now, Arthur Beetson was one of my childhood heroes. Uh, and so, Arthur Beetson. Yeah, to see his name in, in your writing was just, oh, I lit up. It was fabulous. And you tell the story about his nephew who introduced a literacy program to Cuba to assist his local community. And he tells a story of what Uncle Artie said to him as he left for university. He said, remember, you are no better than any other man, but always remember, also, you are no worse. And I think that's just magic. And then you wrote, then, it seems to me, this is you writing, a great platform from which to approach every man and every woman I encounter now in this, the second half of my life. And you then follow that with a kind of jokingly saying, what elder wisdom. <laughs> but then later you say, I'm so small within this world. Its very vastness surrounds me. My own self-aware, self-reflective consciousness is at once as divine and as undivine as that of my neighbour. Distinctly, too, yet inexplorably linked in wanting. We are all such strange bundles of consciousness. What role did the Camino play in providing clarity like that? Mm. Uh, perhaps that sort of clarity would have come as I went, you know, down the beach in the morning and went for a surf or went sailing in the afternoon or went for a bushwalk here. But, but certainly I do think the Camino, put, you know, it, it just positions you um, to be receptive that way. Um, uh, yeah. I, th th these are all the sort of paradigm shifts to the second half of life, aren't they? I think, you know, that awareness that uh, Mother Teresa said, you know, what's wrong with the world? We... we, we, we well, actually, I'm mixing up two quotes. <laughs> it was Chesterton said, what's wrong with the world? I'm wrong with the world. Mother Teresa said, we all draw the circle of our family too small, you know, and if we learn to look at others in the same way that we can see ourselves, it's, it's what Jesus taught about, you yeah. know, loving other people as 
we love ourselves. And unless we have that that sort of self um, self well, the Buddha would call it self compassion. Unless we have that self compassion, that self love, we're, we're not going to uh, appreciate all that there is in in others. Um, it's, I guess for me, Dan, it's about the whole idea of incarnation, you know. We, we're all incarnate beings. You know, once upon a time I would have thought incarnation was about, you know, Jesus becoming flesh, you know, the divine yeah. becoming flesh on yeah. earth. But I, I see it in a much bigger way. We're, we're all incarnate beings, all of us. And, and so we need to have that appreciation when we see others. Uh, and and it, it's, it's the thing we often so miss and it's why we dare to treat each other in such terrible ways, you know, as we see in the world at the moment, you know, with all that's happening. Hmm. Yeah. Wow, good for you. I, honestly, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the reading, the writing was, I mean, there's 60,000 words. It's not like you sort of skimmed over it. You put a lot of thought into this. You write in one part how the, you're, you, you're a coastal man and, and talking before we started the interview, you said, you know, um, if, you, if, you, if you're dry before you get home, you live too far from the beach, which is a great line. And you say your country is ever by the sea and the anonymous attributed quote, water, be it salt or fresh, still or moving, never ceases to teach the soul how to swim. Mm. It's a beautiful quote. I don't know who wrote it. No. Um, we were in a little cafe. We were in a little cafe um, uh, in Spain and, um, and and my wife found that in the back of a magazine and um, and gave it to me, but I've never been able to find out who, who said it. It's a beautiful quote, isn't it? Yeah, it really is yeah. a beautiful quote. And later on... Again, from the journal, you include what you call scribblings or just some ramblings from a sunstruck pilgrim. You said, I'm today nudged somewhat tenderly by the Camino into gratitude. She gently prods and prompts. I reflect again what extravagance it is to be able to, able to take yet again into this ancient path of pilgrimage, to have opportunity for this space of silence and solitude, to permit reflection and enter into moments of meditation, to enjoy disoccupation, to enjoy the spiritual practice of slowing. So what does the Camino uh, look like in your life now, um, the spiritual practice of slowing? How does the Camino manifest itself in the day-to-day life of Shane Oldfield? I very much feel convicted about the Camino not just being the thing you do when you're walking across Spain, but it is sort of like a spiritual discipline for your life. So, yeah, I am very much uh, aware of of wanting to live a life that does involve slowing, you know. Mm. Life's not about speeding it up and seeing how much you can do. Um, there, 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 there's so much um, brilliant spiritual writing about that idea, much more profound than I, mm. I could put into words. Um it's and, and I've been aware of it for a long time. I'm, you know, it's it's the whole idea of living in the present moment. Um, a lot many 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 years ago, I read Brother Lawrence's little book, um, "Practicing the Presence," and that was all about just living in the present moment. And and it, it, 
when you, when you look at um, Buddha's teaching, it's the same thing, you know, mind, mindfulness practice. So I guess we, we, we have our own sort of um, mindfulness practice, um, tenuous as it is sometimes, but it's about um, intentionally not wanting to be rushed and hurried, uh, not being lost in busyness. Um, again, it's that, that whole thing we're talking about, intentionality. I remember uh, when I was pastoring, I, I, reading a book um, on spiritual disciplines and um, there was this guy and uh, he was ringing up his, his spiritual mentor wanting sort of spiritual advice. He would do this sort of like every fortnight or so they would have a, a time. And so he rings, he rings his, you know, spiritual guru and he says, wanting this, you know, spiritual advice so he can have this really effective ministry and, the guy says to him, um, you must eliminate, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And the guy says, yep, I've got it. I've written that down. What's next? <laughs> and he goes, there is no next. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And probably for the last 20 years, that's something that I've sort of put in, into practice in my life. Um, that, you know, we're fooled into thinking that life's about productivity, uh, productivity and excellence. It's one of those, I guess it's one of the reasons I finally stepped away from very organised uh, religion because it, we were on just two different pathways, you know. Life's not about those, those sort of things. I'm not saying that there's not a place for all of that, but it's essentially not what life's all about. So slowing is very important, yep. Yeah. And, and all of the, the, the you know, all, all of the, the great traditions have um, have wonderful teaching about that. So, you know, uh, slowing, uh, for me, I, I would uh, find time for sort of some daily meditation. Uh, I do things like intentionally go and uh, lay on the floor on my back for a, a muscle stretch and I'll listen to some poetry by Padrigo Tawama or, or, or someone else, uh, you know, all, all these little practices, um, it, 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 they're, they're, they're what lot? They're, they're just so, so significant in terms of living a meaningful life, really. Perhaps you're learning a thing or two from Spanish roosters. Ah, Spanish roosters, yes. <laughs> you, you wrote about them crowing late in the morning and you perhaps you suggest they're keeping Spanish hours. Yep. <laughs> it's a little great passage. And you say roosters the world over apparently speak a universal language. They do. You say the word galletas, is it? Galletas. Galletas. Yes. Galletas is, 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 is a Spanish word for, for like, um, cockerel. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and up until then I'd always use the word pollo, but pollo is like chicken when it's on your plate. So they, they have a distinction in Spanish language, you know, yeah. which we don't have. We call it, you know, it's chicken, whether it's in your fridge or running around your backyard, it's a chicken. Yeah. It's the same with fish. You know, we have the one word fish. They have pez for a live fish and pescador for um, for one that's about to be cooked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you write, the Spanish is so precise, but I'm left wondering why when we pluck and undress these birds do we in English call them dressed? <laughs> I laughed out loud. I thought that's really funny. And then there's another part where I laughed out loud. 
you're having a rest day in Astorga and you, you quote... Oh, what, the, what a beautiful town Astorga is. Isn't it fabulous? And you quote the Spanish proverb, how good to do nothing and afterwards to rest. We do a lot of that after the Camino in the afternoons. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. At the Cruz de Ferro, you're reminded of the quote from G.K. Chesterton, your religion is not the church you belong to, but the cosmos you live inside of. And you've most certainly taken that on board with this new, as you call it, second half of your life, this new understanding and journey that you find yourself on. You must be delighted, I have to say. Yes, yeah, I... I um. It's taken me a long time to comfortably sort of arrive in my life at a place where I'm happy to know so little. <laughs> you quote a passage from Morris Sendak's Where the Wild Things Are. Inside of all mm. of us is hope. Inside all of us is fear. Inside all of us is adventure. Inside all of us is a wild thing. Yeah. I, I, I wrote under that, should I be frightened? No, no, I don't think so. And and between you and me, the Camino's not that wild. <laughs> it is. It's it's in it's in it's in the category of the wild things, I think. Um, but it's not that intimidating, and no one would need to be scared. I, I would just encourage anybody who's got any any level of, you know, even a great level of physical fitness. But, Lots of people have got the potential to engage with pilgrimage and they don't realise it, you know. Uh, and and it, is, it is in that category of the wild things, yeah. but not so wild. You write about arriving in Santiago. You weren't that fussed about collecting a Compostela in the pilgrim's office. Why is that? Uh, I think, um, the, you know, the official documentation um, didn't, mean that much to me. I mean, we, we, we went and got a Compostela. Uh, um, standing in line, my lovely Zabair was, you know, doing her Tai Chi practice that she does every morning. She leads a Tai Chi club, class down at the local beach. And um, uh, and, and I, was, uh, I was listening to Hindu chants. And, uh, <laughs> and there we are lined up. In the, in the heartland of Catholicism to get our Compostela. Uh, it was a sublime moment. But uh, the documentation didn't mean so much to me. It was, it was the actual walking, the actual engagement with pilgrimage that was significant for me. Um, I've got the Compostela. I think it is still in the cardboard tube that we put it in the day we left um, Santiago. <laughs> it's never come out. Yeah. I think I'm the same. I don't even know yeah. where mine is. Yeah. Look, you reflect on the writings of the Indigenous Australian singer, songwriter, musician and storyteller Archie Roach. He wrote that we don't really see the scope of a journey till we come to the end of it. And he wrote, I felt like I'd come to the end of it. And when I, I wrote underneath that in, in your writing, I wrote, that's the perfect place to finish our discussion Shane, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been a most insightful and, and colourful and thoroughly enjoyable chat. Congratulations on your writing. You write brilliantly. 
I must say. Oh, it, it, it was really, really enjoyable. I laughed and cried and it gave me much food for thought, much of which has been shared at the table between us today. Uh, one, oh, one last thing to say to you, and that's Buen Camino, my friend. Uh, Buen Camino a ti igualmente. My guest this week was Shane Oldfield, and Shane's book, Stumbling Across Spain, An Interior Journey of the Heart, will be out soon. There are blessings in life if we allow ourselves to be open to receiving them. There's no question of that. Baba Ram Das, the American guru and spiritual writer, said, we're all just walking each other home. So true. And it's wonderful to have your company along the way. Don't forget I'm doing a special online concert for my patrons this Sunday morning. That's Sydney time, Saturday evening in the United States and Canada, a little later in the UK, Europe and in Ireland. Special thanks to Fiona and Barb who joined me as patrons this week. There's a link in the bio if you're interested in joining them. Thanks for your company this week and every week. Until next week, I'm going to leave you with a song played on my little ukulele, Sandy. Thanks again, Bernie. It's a song I'm learning for a 60th birthday party this Saturday night, and I thought I'd play it for you just as a chance to run through it. Until next week, Buen Camino. Someone told me long ago There's a calm before the storm I know it's been coming for some time When it's over so they say It ain't rain a sunny day I know Shining down like water i uh-huh.